Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning to you. It is Monday, November 13th, 2023. The Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini has holds a very special place in my heart for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that's the church where I was baptized in, St. Francis Cabrini Church in Houston, Texas. So praise be to God for that. Grew up there. My family grew up there. So I have a very fond attachment to St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. She was the 13th child of pious peasants in Lombardy and was born on July 15, 1850. She received her vocation on her confirmation day. Now, she's also the first U.S.-born Catholic saint. So, fun fact there. At the age of 18, she became a certified teacher under the Daughters of the Sacred Heart, and despite facing health challenges, she desired to do missionary work. In 1871, she began teaching in a public school. In 1874, she took over the direction of a poorly managed girls' orphanage in Kodongo. By 1877, she and a group of five helpers pronounced religious vows, forming a religious institute with a very simple rule. She added the name Xavier to her name in honor of St. Francis Xavier, the Jesuit missionary, because she desired to be a great missionary, so she took on the name Francis Xavier. Facing opposition, including a threat of excommunication, Mother Cabrini founded the Institute of Missionaries of the Sacred Heart of Jesus as a diocesan congregation in 1881. She received pontifical approval for a universal missionary institute, she went and sought an audience with Pope Leo XIII on March 12th of 1888, and the Pope approved her institute and directed her to focus on North America. She aimed to assist the Italian immigrants who had drifted from their faith in the United States, uh, primarily due to the American heresy, which is a great topic that one day we will have to cover. Mother Cabrini crossed the ocean 30 times establishing 67 hospitals, schools, and orphanages in North America. Her focus was on assisting the Italian immigrants, helping them to preserve their faith amid the American challenges. She died on December 22, 1917, due to malaria in Columbus Hospital in Chicago, one of the hospitals that she herself founded. It's important to reflect on the significance of her acts of reparation. And there's a beautiful parallel between the earthly debts and the need for someone to pay those debts in relation to the debts of sin. And it needs to be emphasized that the role of suffering in making reparation, that Mother Cabrini had a desire to make reparation for the apostles' behavior in the Garden of Olives. You think about the fact that our Lord, while in the Garden of Olives, was perspirating blood as the apostles, the first bishops, slept. So she made reparation for that shameful behavior. She had a mission to preserve the Italian immigrants in the United States. She aimed at keeping them from assimilating into the Protestant and industrialized culture 
of America. He it underscores the importance of her efforts to maintain a contemplative model of a soul turned toward reparation. In fact, her acts of reparation were so intense, and the sisters that she kept with her also had that spirit of reparation, so much so that it has been suggested that Mother Cabrini's sacrifices contributed to the rise of Pope St. Pius X, who dealt a significant blow to modernism. So we should encourage others to seek a Mother Cabrini spirit in reparation. So what do we ask for to St. Francis Xavier Cabrini on this, her feast day? Let us ask her to give her, to give us her spirit of reparation so that many miseries inside the church can be resolved. And let us also ask Our Lady to take our miserable sacrifices and purify, elevate, and sanctify them and present them before God our Lord. St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, pray, pray for, for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. It was a fantastic weekend, and I, I love that it's today. Today's the day that we commemorate this great saint. I had the opportunity to go and see uh, the Mother Cabrini Shrine in Colorado, what was it, like two months ago? And to see all of these little aspects of her life, to actually be in a place where she was, was amazing. And uh, yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity to offer our little tiny sacrifices. And who knows, we might get not a Pius X, Pius X has come and gone, perhaps a Pius Thirteenth, Maybe a Pius V, the second? Pius V, the second. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I am like memeing this into existence. <laughs> a Pope Sixtus the Sixth. Yes, that'd be great. The, uh, the 266th Pope since Peter. <laughs> gotta, gotta reword it now so he can just exclude Peter so he can still be 266. Right. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, you had a great opportunity of reparation when you went. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I definitely felt that going up those 100,000 stairs going up to the top of the shrine. But, <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> mean, while sick. <laughs> while sick. For my little daughter, it wasn't a problem. She was just running up. No problem. Like, how are you doing this? To be a child again. You have small legs. How are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise be to God. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, this uh, weekend, it was very nice. I, had, uh, I slept a lot on Friday. Really? On Friday, hmm. I laid down, and I was like, I'm just going to lay down for a second. And I closed my eyes at around 4 p.m. The next thing you know, I w- opened my eyes, and it's 4 a.m. I literally slept 12 hours straight. I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. Nice. The entire day, was I was, I was like, how did I do this? I didn't even realize I slept that long, so I woke up, and I, was, I felt great. You ever have those moments where you close your eyes and you wake up and it feels like you didn't actually sleep? Yes. That's like crazy. Almost every day, dude. No way. Yes. Really? Yes. Huh. It's pretty miserable. But uh, Friday, though, it was great. It was great. <laughs> I slept for 12 hours straight. Praise be to God. Well, offer it up, Adrian. I will. I will. I'll do my best. And then Sunday, I went to St. Michael's Church and I gave a talk on the Latin Mass, which was mm. really cool. They, uh, they're taking their kids, the high school kids and the middle school kids, on a pilgrimage to go see a Latin Mass for the first time. And they asked me to come and give a talk on the Latin Mass. Wow, they were like, way to go. It was kind of funny, though. They were like, um, we're going to give you 30 minutes. Do you think you can cover uh, literally everything in Latin Mass? Why people should <laughs> veil, kneeling to receive Holy Communion, 
um, just uh, ad orientum worship. They, they said like all these things like Latin in the liturgy. And I'm like, in 30 minutes, you want me to cover each one of those things could be like an hour long talk in and of itself. Actually, can you do it in five? <laughs> well, it was, they were like 25 to 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, but I think I had a mission accomplished, so praise be to God. Uh, maybe I recorded it, uh, the audio, so maybe I will send that out to our email list. So if anybody wants to be on our email list, just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Sign up for email list. I uh, will send that to you all uh, probably this Friday. Maybe I'll get it edited. And well, I didn't record any video, so maybe I'll put my slides up so you all can see my slides instead of my beautiful face. Uh, all right. Let's begin. Before we begin with prayer, at 15 past the hour, Bishop Strickland has been removed from his seat. We're going to talk about that. At 30 past the hour, uh, Edwin Benson will be joining us to discuss the modern education system, a prolific writer on the education system. In the next hour, Journey to Bethlehem movie review. Should you take your kids to see it? Spoiler alert, I'm not going to bury the lead. Don't take your kids to see it. It's bad. I'll tell you why in the next hour. But let's begin in prayer, as is our custom. We're going to pray for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on in your life, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for, for the end to the scourge of abortion, and for my grandfather. We're going to pray the De Profundis today. I just felt compelled to pray this prayer today. Out of the depths I've cried to thee, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let thy ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If thou, O Lord, will mark iniquities, Lord, who shall stand it? For with thee there is merciful forgiveness, and by reason of the law I have waited for thee, O Lord. My soul hath relied on his word, my soul hath hoped in the Lord. For in the morning watch, even until night, let Israel hope in the Lord. Because with the Lord there is mercy, and with him plentiful redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. O Lord, hear my prayer, let my cry come unto thee. Let us pray, O God, the creator and redeemer of all the faithful, grant to the souls of thy servants and handmaids the remission of all their sins that through our devout prayers they may obtain the pardon which they have always desired. Though who art God living and reigning forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are some of just a few of your headlines this morning. Pope Francis relieves Bishop Strickland of his duties in Diocese of Tyler. Bishop Strickland's removal on November 11th follows an apostolic visitation, which according to a source, uh, we don't know who the source is, by the way, looked into the bishop's social media use and questions related to diocesan management. However, during Bishop Strickland's 10 plus years at the helm of Tyler, it has coincided with positive signs of spiritual and administrative health in Tyler. Currently, 21 men are in priestly formation for the territory of approximately 120,000 Catholics. The diocese is also reportedly in good financial shape, exemplified in part by its ability to raise 99% of its $2.3 million goal for the 2021 bishop's six months appeal ahead of a schedule. And Ukraine intelligence officer is behind a Nord Stream pipeline explosion. Last year's Nord Stream gas pipeline explosions were reportedly orchestrated by a former Ukrainian military officer, Colonel Roman Shervinsky, according to the Washington Post. Anonymous sources and European officials claim Shervinsky, linked to Ukraine's military in intelligence, coordinated the sabotage. The explosions, targeted by a six-man-teamed sailboat with deep-sea diving capabilities, occurred on September of 2022, damaging the Swedish Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines. Investigations revealed traces of explosives at rupture sites, 
impacting Europe's energy infrastructure. Authorities have not commented on the post, however. And Netanyahu rejects rather growing calls for a ceasefire as Israel battles Hamas outside of main Gaza hospital. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejects international calls for a ceasefire, insisting that Israel's campaign against Hamas will continue at full force. Netanyahu links any ceasefire to the release of 239 hostages held by Hamas military, uh, militants. He asserts plans to demilitarize Gaza and maintain Israeli security control, contradicting U.S. visions of a unified Palestinian government. Those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Uh, let's start with verse 1 here, verse 1 and 2, where we both these verses. Verses 1 and 2, and he said to his disciples, It is impossible that scandals should not come, but woe to him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should scandalize one of these little ones. Uh, just we'll focus on just these two verses for the little time we have with you. Is the word little ones? Now, many people take this passage to refer to children to say to scandalize kids. This is not the case. And sure, it's perfectly fine to apply that in that circumstance. But what Cornelius Alapide and the commentators talk about is those who are little in faith. Those people, the laity is what he's talking about. And he's referring to his disciples saying, woe to him, the bishops, the priests, who scandalize the faithful because it is their duty to lift up the faithful. It is their duty to take them to higher degrees of faith. But if they instead scandalize them, it would be better for them that a millstone were hanged about their neck and cast in the sea. Why? Why is that the case? It's because if you scandalize them, you cause others to lose their faith by your actions, by your words, by your deeds, then the place in hell for you will be incredibly, incredibly deep because you caused other souls to be damned. Because by setting them up in a situation where they lose their faith, they too cannot be saved. And so you damned other souls. Well, our Lord makes it very clear. It's better to die rather than to end up in the fiery pits of hell. We'll be right back with more on Catholic Drive Time right after this. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you. Now, before we jump in to the story about Bishop Strickland, I did want to bring up the fact that today, Monday, November 13th, is the beginning of St. Martin's Lent. Have you ever heard of St. Martin's Lent? Probably not. I think most people probably have not heard about it. And the this is not obligatory. Let me just take that right off the right there from the beginning. It's not obligatory to, to do St. Martin's Lent. However, it is a laudable thing to do. It is a laudable thing to do because it is an opportunity to offer up prayers and sacrifices for the salvation of souls during this time, a time to prepare for Christmas, 
so my my friend Andrew actually invited me to do St. Martin's Lent with him. And I want to read to you what he told me. So he was like, here, this is what I'm doing. I invite you to do this with me. He sent this to, to a group chat that we're in. Uh, my friend Andrew says, my brothers in Christ, and the feast of St. Martin is this Saturday, which means that the venerable and ancient season of St. Martin's Lent is upon us as well. For those who wish to participate in reclaiming this traditional period of fasting and preparation for the nativity of our Lord, we will begin our 40-day journey on Monday the 13th. It will involve the following, abstinence Monday through Saturday, fasting on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, abstinent meaning no meat, fasting meaning one normal-sized meal for the day, ideally in the evening, with up to two snacks that together equal an amount of food less that is taken at the meal and will go until December 24th. Additions, fasting on Thursday, December 7th for the Vigil of the Immaculate Conception, and fasting on Saturday, December 23rd for Ember Saturday, anticipation for the Vigil of the Nativity. So that's the fast. I'll talk to you more about it in the next hour. Uh, during the next hour, I want to tell you more about St. Martin's Lent. I told him I will be doing this with him. And I told him, though, however, I was like, I'm going to do it with you. However, dude, I can't, I can't get behind complete abstinence for the entire week, Monday through Saturday. I can't do it, dude can't do it so i will do partial abstinence with you partial abstinence and so i will eat and partial abstinence means meat at the principal meal of the day but no other meat meat um so meat once a day basically and he was like all right that's fine so i'm doing it the way i just said with the only change being i will be um doing partial abstinence so if you'd like to join me in saint martin's lent uh, let me know I would love for you to join us and to uh, offer up these sacrifices for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for the end of the crisis in the church that we have today. Uh, but let's talk about this article. In recent news from National Catholic Register, Pope Francis has made the decision to relieve Bishop Strickland from his role in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. The Vatican has appointed an apostolic administrator to take over responsibilities. It was he was asked to resign, and then after he said no to the request, he was in order to resign effective immediately on November 11th. This follows a formal investigation known as an apostolic visitation conducted by the Vatican Dicastery for bishops earlier this year. You may remember us talking about that back when it happened. The investigation reportedly focused on the bishop's use of social media, and it questions related to Dawson management. The Vatican announcement did not specify the reason for the removal, however, and Bishop Joe Vasquez of Austin, Texas, will step in as the apostolic administrator for the Diocese of Tyler until a new bishop is appointed. Under Bishop Strickland's leadership for over a decade, positive development in both spiritual and administrative aspects have been noted in Tyler. Currently, there are 21 men in priestly formation for the 119,000 168 Catholics in the diocese. Uh, I'm curious, proportionally, like per capita, per capita for the Catholics in that di in diocese. I wonder where that ranks among dioceses. Because 119,000, 21 men in priestly formation. That sounds really good. I'd be curious to know how that ranks against other dioceses per capita. Because obviously Tyler is a tiny diocese. Financially, the diocese is reported to be in good shape. 
achieving 99% of its $2.3 million goal for the 2021 Bishop Appeal six months ahead of schedule. The decision to remove Bishop Strickland was preceded by a meeting between Pope Francis and American Cardinal Robert Francis Prevost, the prefect of the Dicastery for Bishops, on Saturday morning. Father Gerald Murray, a priest in the Archdiocese of New York and Fox News commentator, said conservative Catholics across the country have reacted to the news with, quote, dismay and consternation. He says, quote, I know of no canonical crime that he is accused of having committed that would deserve the punishment of removal, Murray told the Post in a text message on Saturday evening. Pope Francis has not told us why he did this, so no one can come to a clear judgment as to whether this action was fair or not. I find it interesting that this announcement to relieve Bishop Strickland of his pastoral governance of the East Texas Diocese comes just two days before the start of the U.S. Bishops' Fall Plenary Meeting, which will be held, I believe, November 14th through 16th in Baltimore, Maryland. I believe it starts tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. And in a quote from LifeSite News on Saturday, Bishop Strickland said, quote, I encourage myself and others to go more deeply than ever into prayer and to pray for Pope Francis and to pray for the church and to pray for our world, end quote. I also saw this morning Bishop Strickland released a his last, um, I suppose, his last pastoral letter. It's dated September 12th, 2023. And I imagine that this was something he had already planned on releasing and was written afterwards. It's on um, the sacrament of the Eucharist. So a very beautiful, beautiful meditation on the Eucharist that he put out uh, yesterday. So I recommend reading that. It doesn't really have anything to do with the news, but... He, uh, it's a beautiful letter, nonetheless. Okay, so that's a very important thing, and much more can be said and much more will be said, uh, but we will uh, move on for now. But that's the story at the moment, and I am looking forward to seeing what comes of the Bishop's Conference this week. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that as well, and we'll inform you of what happened at the conference in Baltimore uh, once it concludes. Now, this story, I think, is also very interesting, and it's very telling, a very, very telling uh, story, and I want to get Rudy's take on this, because um, Rudy has to answer for everything that happens in California. Oh, he, brother. He Here is, we go again. Uh, Rudy is go. the official spokesman of California. Tell me what my brothers and sisters did this time. They actually did something good. Really? Yeah. Oh, well... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I knew it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I take full credit and responsibility. Right for now, the, the attitude <laughs> you know? has changed. The attitude has changed. San Francisco clears the homeless camps ahead of International Summit. So it's like good news, bad news. So the story is interesting because they're having the Asia-Pacific Economic Corpora Corporation Summit in San Francisco which, from my understanding, President Xi Jinping is actually coming. Which is like, yikes. The communist leader of China is coming to the U.S., San Francisco specifically. I guess it's a fitting place for him to go. But the thing that disturbs me about this story is that they cleaned up like the huge swaths of San Francisco in like 48 hours which tells me that they could do this at any time and they just choose not to. 
and that when the communist leader of China is coming to visit, they're like, oh, we got to clean up. Like, what? <laughs> this whole time, like, if I was in California and I live in San Francisco and I have been, like, mugged by homeless people or attacked or screamed at or stepped in urine or feces that were been on the floor or seen needles all over the ground. And I've been like, man, why can't we fix this? And the government's telling you all these years, oh, it's such a crisis, the homeless crisis. We can't do anything about it. So sorry. And the next thing you know, it's like GJ Ping's coming. Oh, I got to clean my room. And they clean up everything really quickly in 48 hours. I'd be like, what? So he's more important than your constituents, than your taxpayers? You know what's hilarious too is uh, <laughs> it's not like um, it's not like Xi Jinping is completely oblivious to the stories coming out of San Francisco. Right. The stories of people literally shattering windows out of cars and grabbing stuff out of their cars. The homeless people, like you mentioned, the drug problem, the epidemic of problems of uh, uh, homelessness, and all this other stuff. It's always in the news. It's like it's been nonstop in the news for like the past couple of years. <laughs> So why waste the time in doing that if he already knows that, 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 that ha that's happening? And so now I'm wondering, okay, so now that they saw this happen, are they going to apply this to Los Angeles, to San Diego, to whatever other cities in California need it? I just wonder, where are they moving these homeless people to? That's a great question. I Because mean, literally these are gigantic places I mean, this is these are like encampments when we say encampments we don't mean like uh, you know a, a tent here and there i'm talking about like there are a lot of like hundreds and hundreds of tents everywhere if they even have tents like where'd they move them to so it's funny you say that because in the article that i'm reading here from the daily wire the city employee mark savino told uh, the fox affiliates quote you just naturally start to wonder about homeless folks being displaced it's like so do we not know where they went? What they did? To <laughs> do, do we not know uh, what happened to the people? They said they removed their tents from the public area. The city did not set up new shelters specifically for individuals impacted by this. It opened a 30-spot overnight winter shelter and is working on adding 300 beds to some existing shelters. Um, yeah. It sounds to me like they're kind of just like, sorry, bye. Figure it out. That's a huge band-aid, by the way, because when you talk to homeless people, they'll always tell you, I always try to avoid the shelters just because there's all kinds of bad stuff going on there. So it's not really when you when you say, Oh yeah, we added we added beds to the shelter, it's not actually a good thing. Most people don't even want to go there. Well, it makes it worse, right? Because then it's like these shelters are already overcrowded. Mm -hmm. And now you're shoving more beds into the shelters? Yeah. Yeah, the, and, and like you said, people don't want to go to the shelters. I don't know about California, but I know in, in Texas, who you talk to a lot of people, they don't want to go to the shelters because they don't want to follow the rules. Um, they don't they don't mm -hmm. want to give up drinking. They don't want to give up drugs. They don't want to give up. They don't want to have to show up at curfew hour, all these things. They'd rather be on the street than have to follow the rules of the shelter. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the case in California. I assume it probably is, um, but they uh, – so you're right. It's a giant Band-Aid. And they need to get to the root of the problem. And ultimately, the root of the problem is mental Xi health. Xi Jinping. The crisis of opioids. The crisis of fentanyl. Where is fentanyl being produced from? 
China. Yeah, that's true. And so they're bringing this guy in here, the guy who created the problem in the first place. Yeah. Well, Xi Jinping's not the only one coming. So is Justin Trudeau, our dear, dear, dear leader to the north. Leader to the north. Um, also, Joe Biden. So all the communist leaders are getting together. Uh, what? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> um, anyway, we are going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Edwin Benson should be joining us talking about the education system. A great conversation coming up. You won't want to miss it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. This is from LifeSite News. J.P. Morgan to pay additional $290 million to Epstein sex trafficked victims. The money being paid by J.P. Morgan, the nation's biggest bank, could provide compensation to nearly 200 victims of Mr. Epstein, according to a legal filing. J.P. Morgan and lawyers for the victims, uh, and excuse me, J.P. Morgan and lawyers for the victims reached to a preliminary settlement in June, averting a potential civil trial in federal court in Manhattan. Fifteen unidentified victims submitted written declarations in support of the deal, and some, including one who said she was just 13 years old when Mr. Epstein first sexually assaulted her, wrote about continuing to suffer from depression, anxiety, and panic attacks, as well as eating disorders. J.P. Morgan Chase had previously agreed to pay $75 million in a separate case to Epstein's victims and the U.S. Virgin Islands, where Epstein had maintained a home, bringing the grand total to $365 million. Not enough, if you ask me. The U.S. Virgin Islands court filing last winter said that J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, it was also associated with uh, Chase Bank, had facilitate, facilitated and sustained Jeffrey Epstein's expensive sex trafficking network. And The Hill reports... Texas Senate passes measure making illegal border crossings a state crime. The Texas Senate efficiently advanced two bills in a special legislative session aimed at bolstering the state's role in immigration enforcement. One bill criminalizes unauthorized border crossings from Mexico into Texas, while the other one allocates over $1.5 billion worth for border enforcement. The expedited legislative process enabled by the suspension of the standard rules raises debates over potential conflicts with federal immigration authority. Some former immigration judges continue, or rather, continue to argue against the bills, emphasizing immigration as a federal function. Opponents express concerns about potential abuses, but supporters argue for the necessity of state-level measures. The bill is now on the move to the State House for further consideration. Now, those are some of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And, you know, <laughs> one thing that I wanted to uh, uh, bring up before uh, we get started is <laughs> I saw this this tweet over the over the weekend. It's always very amusing to me uh, being on, on Twitter and seeing the things that that get popped up. But this popped up uh, on Twitter and I thought that it was it was kind of kind of crazy, to be honest. I was like, this is just so so silly there is a, vi- a picture that um this guy posted of a idf soldier in gaza holding up a lgbt pride flag saying in the name of love and they're like this is the first time the flag is free to be flown in gaza and and i'm like i don't think you're gonna get the support that you wanted out of that out of that that propaganda there (laughs) but nonetheless they did that and i was like dude okay well there you go folks Uh, so 
I don't know why. I don't know who's in charge of their, their propaganda, but I think they were trying to appeal because for some reason, there's a lot of LGBT activists that are supporting Hamas, which I'm like, you do know that they're anti-homosexuals, right? Like, like they they would not treat you very well. So the whole thing with the LGBT and the Israel war makes no sense whatsoever. But and nonetheless, I just saw that and I thought it was kind of kind of amusing to be honest. As, as long as I live and breathe, I will fight for their rights in in uh, <laughs> in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, there you go, folks. There you go. Uh, joining us right now is Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Uh, good morning to you, Your Excellency. Good morning. Uh, Your Excellency, it's uh, wonderful to have you on this morning. Um, you, he, to our conversation today, we're talking about his uh, book, Credo, his catechism um, that he just released, an excellent catechism. We talked about it with uh, Aaron Sang last Friday. Uh, but Your Your Excellency, before we uh, get started, I would be remiss if I didn't ask your uh, opinion on uh, what happened over the weekend with His uh, Excellency Bishop Strickland. Yes, uh, this removal of this uh, bishop, this true Catholic bishop of our day, of one, uh, it is a great injustice and uh, a sadness to the entire church, to all Catholics and priests and bishops who still uh, strive uh, to maintain the integral Catholic faith morals, liturgy, Christian life. This will go down in history as a true black day in our current history. Well, thank you very much for their statement, Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Um, to your book, I did want to talk about this because I find your, your book, Credo, to be a great beacon of hope and light amidst a storm. And I was actually just reading... Um, Cardinal Seurat's uh, commentary, uh, his opening speech on your book, Belverin, from Italy, and I was very, very encouraged to see this. Uh, so let's start here. Why did you decide to, to write this new catechism? Well, it was not my initiative, uh, 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 but it was initiative of a father of family, of a large family, who asked me to publish a kind of new catechism which much clarity and doctrine and also addressing some um, current issues and, and topics of our day and of our world and also of the some uh, errors or ambiguities which were spread in the last decades in the life of the church. A kind of actualization uh, bringing um, in our time uh, the um, the Catholic faith with questions and answers. Mm. Yes, I found it to be very helpful in the sense that it was uh, formatted in the question and answer format, like the old Baltimore catechisms and a lot of the older catechisms. I think it's very helpful. But uh, one thing that people immediately were, were wondering about was why do we need a catechism, a new one, if we already have the JP2 Catechism. Yes, this catechism of John Paul II was published 30 years ago first. And since then, there emerged uh, new questions. Let us say the militancy and the global 
propagation and imposition of the so-called gender ideology or LGBT uh, movement, which now became a political global uh, agenda. And this we have to address more deeply, the errors. Then another topic, uh, the, the issue of new age, of all these practices, of the veneration of Mother Earth, of Pachamama, which we were witnessing. These are new issues which we have to address also in the life of the church, uh, climate change, and so on. And then also uh, the topic, topic uh, which was not treated uh, in the Catechism of John Paul II, for example, the Freemasonry, and to make an exposition uh, deeper uh, from the documents of the church or from, from their own uh, affirmations of members of the Freemasonry. This I also addressed. Uh, and then um, some uh, issues and topics which were left even in the catechism of John Paul II, not enough clarified, let us say, the problems with the interreligious prayers with Muslims or with other non-Catholics, uh, which increased in the last 30 years. This um, was leading to confusion in the life of the church, and we have to address this also. And then go deeper to the roots, which are found in some ambiguous affirmations, even in, in the council documents, or the documents of the Second Vatican Council. And so I think we have, we must have the honesty to address this in a, in a calm way, but in a clear way, mm. using the voice of the magisterium, of the continuous magisterium, I would say, of all times. Amen. Amen. It was, uh, I, for one, when I was reading it, because I've uh, read through the majority of the JP2 catechism, and I'm making my way through your catechism. And I have to say, um, I know you probably won't want to say this, but I'll say it on your behalf, <laughs> is that the JP2 catechism is a little wordy at times. It has a lot of words. It doesn't really format it in the most uh, easy way to digest as a layperson, uh, whereas your catechism is much more concise, straight to the point, and just gives the answer. And so I very much enjoy reading uh, your catechism as a much more clear way of understanding uh, versus the kind of block text of the JP2 catechism. Uh, so for that reason, I think it's it's better for the lady for that reason as well as everything else you said. Right, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to address uh, this being used as a catechetical tool for RCIA, study groups, things like that when we come back. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Joining us right now is Bishop Athanasius Snyder. He, the, he is the Auxiliary Bishop of Kazakhstan, but for our purposes, he is the author of Credo, a compendium of the Catholic faith, a comprehensive guide to living as a faithful Catholic in our challenging times, um, published by Sophia Institute Press. I highly recommend 
picking up one of these catechisms or pick up a, a bunch of them because I wanted to share with you, Your Excellency, uh, just a story that I, I shared on Friday, but I'll share it again uh, for you. The I was uh, very pleased to hear that my uh, cousins of mine who were unfortunately never baptized, it was my, my, my father's aunt who was never baptized as a child. They had about 12 kids and for some reason she never got baptized, but all her siblings did. And she did not baptize her daughter, and her daughter did not baptize her son. And recently, they reached out to my dad and said they wanted to become Catholic. They want to get baptized. And so they were looking at a, for a good parish, and there is none nearby that could do good RCIA. So I reached out to a priest friend of mine and asked if I could do a private RCIA with them and use your catechism as the RCIA tool to go through with them um, over the course of a year and the priest was like, oh, yeah, go ahead, 100%, and just let me know. I'll interview them afterwards to confirm they they know the faith, and if I give them a thumbs up, then they can get baptized. Um, Your Excellency, the credo, is this what your intention is for this book? Uh, tell me about um, this using this as a, a tool for, for educating new Catholics or study groups, things like that. Yes, this is a compendium of the faith. And um, there are several sections which are more apt for different groups of age or of knowledge. There are simpler questions. It even could be used for children, catechesis, for youth. Then there are topics and themes which are more suitable for Catholics who are already trained in faith and he would like to deepen the faith, for example, different levels of the magisterium um, and the interreligious aspect and all these. Or they are also for new converts, of course, there are basic questions which uh, the, the catechist can choose from the compendium. So it is um, a book which is open for different kinds of Catholics or of those people who are simply seeking the truth. Now, you mentioned uh, different levels of the magisterium, and that kind of made me think of the a point that comes up quite often. Uh, people will quote the JP2 catechism as if it's infallible and say, but the catechism says, and then we'll use that as an infallible document um, and try to use it to, for proof texting. So where what does the different catechisms fall on in terms of its level of magisterium, how people should react to it? Because I think a lot of people think that the catechism of JP2 is infallible document, and they're wondering, what's up? Why, why would we ever look at a different catechism? Uh, yes, this is in the last time, even good Catholics, in, even among priests, there is a kind of ignorance about the different levels of the magisterium. We witnessed a kind of de facto total infallibilization of any word but which a Pope spoke. And this is not Catholic, this is an um, exaggeration, of course. And so therefore, we have to carefully explain the different levels of the magisterium. This I did purposely in my book. So, uh, the, of course, there are sections 
and affirmations in the Catechism of John Paul II, which are infallible because they were uh, proclaimed in the past as infallible. The, the councils still until Vatican II, almost all proclaimed formerly uh, infallible statements or some popes rarely. And these are also mentioned and quoted in the John Paul II Catechism. But the other affirmations which are not uh, expressively uh, indicated and marked as this is an infallible definite teaching have not per se the character of infallibility. So they are open to be in some way corrected or um, modified or really um, better explained. So this is a different level. Uh, we have to carefully distinguish this. I think it's a very good, important thing for uh, people to keep in mind that um, the JP2 Catechism is only infallible on the things that they're just quoting from things that are already declared infallible. And in that case, it's infallible just as much as I would be infallible if I read the infallible statements from previous popes than what I said was infallible, but not because I said it, but because I'm quoting an infallible statement. And that's basically what the JP2 Catechism is doing. And so I think that's important for people to keep in mind whenever they look at it. Now, Your Excellency, there are many people who have some cri uh, critiques of your catechism. I saw a number of people saying that this is just uh, radical traditionalism. This is in opposition to the Pope. And this is uh, very bad. It's heterodoxy. It's a rejection of the council. Um, your Excellency, how would you respond to those kind of accusations against your catechism? These accusations are very general and do not carefully uh, take into account the, the, my expressions and my affirmations there. There's no, I've never stated that I reject the council. This is simply not true. I am not against the Pope, Pope Francis, but I respectfully mentioned his ambiguous teaching <clears throat> uh, twice. Uh, first concerning the his permission for um, divorced and, and re civilly remarried couples in some cases to go to Holy Communion, even if they are not able to live as brother and sister. So this is against the entire tradition of the church. This evidently undermines the indissolubility of the marriage and the holiness of the Eucharist. And I mentioned simply this. We have to be honest and state this. It's not polemics. It's simply a state stating that this is really against the entire hist uh, constant tradition of the church. And in this concrete act, Pope Francis was not infallible and did not claim to be infallible. Therefore, he can commit an error and be respectfully um, admonished. Mm. And the other case uh, where he signed the Abu Dhabi, so-called Abu Dhabi document on the um, diversity of religions, saying that this is the wise will of God. This is 
and direct undermining of the first commandment of God. You shall not have other gods, other religions beside me. And so you see this, it would be uh, not honest if I would not mention this. And this is, on the contrary, a service for the Pope. I did a service for him. I did basically a fraternal help to him with this uh, respectful admonition correction. And the same in some expressions of the Council, maybe one, two only. The rest um, I did not mention and I also saying oftentimes that I, that the Council, the Second Vatican Council contains beautiful teachings which we can use of course, but contains some problematic, evidently problematic and ambiguous affirmations which we have to clarify and to address. And it, this I did. And in this way it was a help, a contribution, because the Church, we are not in a dictatorship where you can nothing say and blindly simply accept. No, uh, we have our reason. Chesterton made this uh, humoristic affirmation. A Catholic man upon entering the Church is asked to take off his head, but not his head. <laughs> so, not his reason to take off his head, or his covering of his head, and not his head. No? And so, therefore, we Catholics, we can. And when there is evident, um, evident ambiguity and this connection with the constant tradition, we have to address this. And later, uh, the magisterium will, will without doubt clarify this in a completely unambiguous way. This will come. Amen. Amen. And I take very great solace in the fact that this your, your compendium is endorsed by at least four bishops, including Cardinal Sarah and with Dr. Scott Hahn, amongst many, many other uh, wonderful people like uh, the Scola Veritatis community of contemplative nuns, uh, very beautiful religious sisters, and I, we love to see that. So uh, we're just about out of time, Your Excellency. Before we go, I wanted to ask, um, where can people pick up the book? What do you recommend uh, people should get uh, get a hold of it? And can you leave us with your Episcopal blessing? Yes, practically you can order the book at Sophia Press or Amazon. And concretely, I would suggest to start with the first chapters of the more simpler questions, the, the basic, the foundation of our faith, why we are Christians, uh, about God, about the revelation of God, about our Lord Jesus Christ and the Church. So these are the basic truths. I would start there, maybe parallelly, also go to the morals, what is sin, what is virtue, to also to have some practical advices, and then also take something from the third part, what is prayer, to know what is prayer. Simply to choose in the first 
in the beginning these simpler questions of every any of of each of these three parts you know there are three parts what we what we believe how we have to live how we have to pray and this maybe for the beginning would be good and then progressively read the other parts which are also necessary to know for the entire faith i thank your excellency uh, your episcopal blessing please Yes. Dominus vobiscum. Et benedictio Dei omnipotentis Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti descendet super vos et maneat semper. Amen. Amen. Thank Praise you. This is now and forevermore. That's going to do it. We'll be right back with more right after this. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you today. It's always good to be with you. We just wrapped up an awesome conversation with Bishop Athanasius Snyder. I'm going to be honest with you. Here's some inside baseball for you. Something that uh, I'll just share with you. Just don't tell anybody else because it's kind of embarrassing. So I would appreciate it if you uh, didn't share this around. I don't want other people to know about it. It's very awkward. But... I was actually expecting Bishop Anthony Snyder to be on tomorrow, not today. <laughs> so I was completely not prepared for the interview. Luckily, we interviewed Aaron Sang last Friday, and so I had already like thought about the catechism a little bit and had formulated questions for Aaron, but I hadn't thought about it um, extensively for my interview with Bishop Athanasius because I, th- I have put it on my schedule. He was coming tomorrow. Maybe I marked it down wrong, or maybe he just came early. Not sure. And luckily... Edwin Benson, who was supposed to be on, didn't show up. And so I guess it worked out. Uh, but there's some inside baseball for you. Just don't tell anybody, okay? Because it's kind of embarrassing. So I'd appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody else. And so there you go, folks. Uh, there you go. But I watched a movie this weekend, Rudy. Really? I did. I wonder I did. which one. You wonder which one. Um, well, uh, there was this movie. And it's funny because my grandma sent me an ad for this movie a trailer for this movie um a couple couple weeks ago and i watched the trailer and i was like that's cringe grandma and i left it at that and because i just saw the trailer and i was like eh not gonna watch it it looks lame and then in our private telegram chat people were talking about it in the chat and they were like asking questions about it someone posted a review on it and i'm like you know i'm giving commentary about this movie and i don't even know anything about it and I'm not doing anything today. It's a Saturday. And I'm like, I'm going to go watch this movie so I can give a, a good take on this movie. And that movie, Journey to Bethlehem. <sighs> Man, that movie was bad. Journey to Subversion. Journey to Gehenna is what it should be <laughs> called. Because like, the, there is so I, – I, I have a list of things that are wrong with this movie. And I probably I plan on doing a a show, my personal podcast, that's like an hour long going through this movie just because there's so many things wrong with this and so many errors of theology, like not even just like cat, like even if I just say, you know, I'm just going to pretend that Protestantism is true for a second and take this movie at face value. It's still heretical, like even from a (laughs) Protestant perspective and from a Catholic perspective, it's even worse. 
all of a sudden I was in the Telegram chat and, and there was this screenshot of just a wall block of text and I'm like, what is this? I click on it and it's Adrian's notes. He's li- he's live tweeting <laughs> during the the movie. And what were you like the only person in the in the movie in the first place? And you're like making notes about every error. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to see that? Join our Telegram chat. How do you do that? You go to GRN Online forward slash CDT, and then you sign up for our email list. And on Friday, Adrian's going to send you a link to join our pi- private Telegram chat where we interact with you every single day off the show, on the show. We read your comments. You can hang out with us all day long if you love us. Yeah, there you go. So grnonline.com forward slash CDT and sign up for our email list um, and join our Telegram chat. We'd love to have you. So... Let's start here, and then I want to get to uh, Mrs. Carlo's take on this, because uh, during the conversation, uh, Rudy's wife gave an excellent take, so I want to get Rudy's, uh, Rudy to give us that take. But just to the, just here's the thing. Let's ignore for a second all the theology errors, um, all the heresies that were there, and let's just focus on just one aspect, and that is the portrayal of the Blessed Virgin and St. Joseph. I'll add in the three magi into that too. Uh, but the Our Lady was depicted in the absolute worst possible way. Absolutely horrific. Despicable, really. I, I honestly felt like I wanted to get up and leave the theater halfway through because I was just so offended by this movie. Um, and not offended in like the liberal woke way, but in the offended as in I am offended on behalf of Almighty God and the Blessed Virgin because of this utter blasphemy and sacrilege. So it opens up with Our Lady being this feminist, rebellious teenager who is just like, I don't want to get married. I want to be a teacher. And also, I mean, it also depicts St. Joachim and St. Anne in the movie, which I'm just going to ignore for a second because maybe this is, this is you got to subscribe because I'm going to do a longer video explaining all the errors because there's just so many because this depiction of St. Joachim and Anne, like, first of all, they call them Joachim and Anne addressing the tradition that that's their name because it's not in scripture, but then they ignore all the tradition surrounding who they were, these holy people who were like leaps and bounds ahead of people in holiness. And they were, and also Joachim would have been dead before he, she got married. And so they just ignore all of that. So they take the tradition of their names and then just apply it to these random characters that are not Joachim and Anne. And in fact, you could just say that across the board. None of the characters are who they say are. Um, Our Lady has siblings, even though St. Anne allegedly, according to tradition, only had Our Lady as a child. Um, So that was another thing. She had two sisters, which is super weird. And Our Lady's there. I don't want to be a mom. I want to be a teacher. Dad. You're the one who taught me Holy Scripture, unlike other women. And he's like, that's because I didn't have a son. And I'm like, dude, this is like, you're just like insulting, first of all, the culture of the first century. Second of all, you're insulting Our Lady as someone who wouldn't have learned Scripture except that her dad was like a low-key feminist, I guess. And Our Lady also, when she goes in public, she's the only woman in the entire city who doesn't wear a veil. The, he, she's wandering around the city, and it's a musical, so they're singing. And every single woman, including Our Lady's sisters, are wearing veils, except Our Lady. And she's walking around with no veil. She's a rebel. She's a rebel. She's a feminist. 
in the first century. Like, even from a historical perspective, let's just ignore Our Lady as the Immaculate Conception. And let's ignore Our Lady as the Queen Mother. Dude, it's even more insulting because, you know, historically, the only women who did not wear veils were the scandalizers. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. It was, it, That's a good point. It, dude, even if they're not trying to be offensive, they're doing it on purpose. St. Joseph, a coward. So first of all, St. Joseph shows up for the first time, and she's, and he's like, so he's a young man, probably like 16 years old, 17 years old, and he um, gets scared of a donkey. A donkey shows up, and it's Our Lady's donkey, and the, the donkey like bears at him. Dude, and, to be fair, have you seen their teeth? Away. Yeah, but we're talking about a first century Jewish man. He's going to see a donkey every five seconds. Like, it's like, yeah, like if someone, if a, some dude went to a farm for the first time and was like, oh, a donkey. Like, okay, I get it. You've never seen one up close and it's next to you. But you're a first century Jew walking around Israel. You're going to run into a donkey, man. That's like somebody, if they like ran into like a Cooper on the, on the, on the sidewalk and got and start screaming. Like, no, that's, that would not happen. He's like a coward the whole movie. And Our Lady has to, like, lead him around and tell him what to do and things like this. And St. Joseph was just a so total beta male. Utter beta male. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is so embarrassing. He had a man cave. Oh, oh <laughs> man. Oh, it's so bad. And then the, the three wise men. Uh, one of the wise men was low-key homosexual. Like, he wasn't actually gay, but he was super flamboyant. And he even, like, did the whole gay hand movement where he's like, uh, and, like, moves his hand in, like, the really gay way. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> no. And he, like, wears pink. And then the other wise man was a glutton. He mm. was eating constantly, and they made a joke about him eating too much. And I'm like, dude, the three wise men are saints. They became saints. They were the, some of the first bishops. They were incredibly holy people preparing for the coming of the Messiah. You think they were, like... These degenerates looking for the savior? Like what? What are we talking about here? And they treated them <laughs> as as total as total comedy relief. Okay, so I set that up, and now I want to get uh, <laughs> your your take on on, on this from. Uh, All from right, this is Mrs. Carlos. Mrs. Carlos says, "Sorry, I don't mean to just drop this and and leave, but here's my issue with this. While I absolutely would much prefer all movies hitting major box offices to be about our Lord and Lady, and the saints." When we're okay with the depictions that aren't traditional, it becomes a danger to the faith. So true. Let me just add here. When something gets picked up like this, error spreads like wildfire. Continuing, let me try and explain that. We have two small children in our home. If I bring them to this movie, particularly our two-year-old, they will remember it forever. Kids remember everything. Trust me, she's not being hyperbolic here. They will remember Mary speaking harshly towards St. Joseph, something I saw in the trailer. They will remember her not being obedient to her parents. They will remember everything that this film has that is contrary to the teaching of the church, which at first glance doesn't seem problematic, but when they reach the age of reason and we begin serious catechesis with them, how confusing will it be when we discuss Mary's fiat? I can picture it now. Is that true, Mommy? Because Mary didn't want to be married in the movie we saw. That's my issue with things like this. Thanks be to God, I married somebody who uh, has a little bit of reason here. But it's so true. Kids remember everything. 
yeah, my, my daughter remembers things I say in passing and joking. She brings it up all the time. I'm wondering how you weren't even listening to me. You weren't even in the same room. How do you know this? But it's true. Once you have something like this stuck in your mind, it's very hard to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a danger to have our kids see this kind of depiction. And, and even though it's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the makers of the film said, oh, we're going to take some creative freedom. This, by the way, this is the same thing that the, the people who make The Chosen say. I, you know, we always hear, oh, The Chosen is so good. They say the same thing. They say, we're going to take a little bit of creative license here. Is it worth it for us? To watch and entertain ourselves with these sorts of things, when they're taking they're taking these uh, these you know little moments of, of levity or injecting their own interpretation in this sort of thing, is it worth it for us to entertain ourselves with this stuff when it's subverting our faith, especially in our kids? Because mm -hmm. it's marketed to kids. It's a musical. Mm -hmm. It's marketed to kids, and like you said, and like your wife said, this is going to be so impressionable because people are now going to see this is Saint Joseph. This is Our Lady. This is the Three Wise Men. This is St. Joachim and Anne. And this is how they act. This is the way they are. And that is so, so harmful to the faith. And I cannot emphasize enough that I do not recommend anybody go and take their kids to it. In fact, I would recommend boycotting it for blasphemy because this is blasphemous. This is utterly blasphemous. Our Lady and Our Lord would be utterly offended by this movie. It's just so bad. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the badness of it. Just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many other things in that movie that are were just, just utterly ridiculous. And I may bring it up again tomorrow just because it's there were some theological points that I wanted to bring up that I thought it brought up that I wanted to address. Uh, one of the other things that was super weird, because you would think they'd get something right, at least something like historical accuracy or something, but they even have some of the Roman soldiers are women. And I'm like, why on earth would there be female Roman soldiers? That literally makes no sense. We literally only had female soldiers in the military for like the last 40 years. Like this is a brand new thing in our modern era. Do you really think that the Romans had female soldiers as the personal guards to Emperor Herod? To King Herod. No, that definitely did not happen. Also, it's portrayal of King Herod and his son are also completely inaccurate as well. And that's actually worthy of talking about because King Herod and his son play a important role in salvation history. Play an incredibly important role in salvation history. So the idea that King Herod's son was a good guy, because they kind of portray him as a good guy at the end. He, King Herod's son is the one is the Herod that our Lord goes to at the end of the Gospels before he's crucified. It's that Herod. It's not Herod the Great, the one who uh, killed all the children that he met. It was Herod, the son of Herod the Great, that beheaded John the Baptist. This is why the portrayal, I mean, it's overall, it's damaging to the faith. It's overall damaging the faith, even from a purely Protestant perspective. So do not watch it. Journey to Bethlehem, 0 out of 10. Do not recommend. Uh, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. But that's going to do it for this segment. We're going to go into the Fear and Trembling Game Show. You can call in 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Call now. 
and you could be our winner. 877-757-9424. We're giving away prizes this week, so make sure you're on for the game show. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes, and you could be the winner. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424. I've been told I talk too fast, so let me give that number slower this time. So get the phone out. Be ready. You can dial now. You could be the winner. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. Four, and you could be the winner. Here's how the game works. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is... Magnificat Handmade. Now, Magnificat Handmade is kind of a punny, punny way of saying uh, it's it's a pun essentially because they specialize in handmade goods. Magnificat Handmade seeks to restore all things in Christ, and they're giving away a restored Catholic pocket prayer book that is sure to edify your spiritual life. Now, you might be wondering, what is a restored Catholic pocket prayer book? Well, it's a book that they found that is in poor shape. It's unreadable, it's falling apart, and what they've done is they've restored it to its former glory, and we're giving that one away this week. Magnificat Handmade is a workshop that is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows and specializes in restoring all kinds of liturgical items, especially books. So thank you very much, Magnificat Handmade. I happen to know the guy who owns wow. this uh, this company, and uh, he's a he's a stand-up guy. Oh wow, praise be to God. <laughs> Some would say. Some would say. You know, <laughs> I I think I've met this guy and personally, eh. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But if you'd like to win this wonderful prize, make sure you dial eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven seven. Seven five seven nine four two four. You could win this wonderful prize if you just pick up the phone and dial that number. And I have good news for you because the next person to dial in will, in fact, be our contestant, and it could be you. So pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424. And just so you know, you can always find all the information about the game show on our website. Just go to GRN online.com forward slash cdt grn online.com forward slash cdt and you could win this prize um and our phone number is listed there my email is listed there all this information public information it's also where you can go and sign up for our email list if you wanted to join our email list and get all sorts of interesting things i send out every friday 
and access to our private Telegram chat, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But joining us right now is Alizia. Is that how you pronounce your name? Alicia. Oh, Alicia. Alicia. I got it right. spelled interesting way there. Alicia, good morning to you. Good morning. Now, Alicia, where are you calling in from? I'm calling from Missouri City, Texas. Missouri City, Texas. That's in our neck of the woods, the greater Houston area. We'd love to hear it. Now, what parish are you going to? San Lawrence Parish in Sugar Oh, praise be to God, St. Lawrence. I've actually never been to St. Lawrence Parish, but I have really? been to St. Teresa's in Sugarland. I've been there many times. Yeah, very nice church, St. Teresa. But yes. also come to St. Lawrence. All right. I'll have to make my trip out to St. Lawrence at some point. Maybe for y'all's fall festival, reach out, tell us, uh, send me the, the information of when it is, and maybe I'll come by for it. It, it was October. Ah, oh, there you go. Next next fall festival, next event. Uh, let me know, <laughs> and I'll come by. Missouri City is not too far. It's only about an hour from where I'm at. Yeah, so. but the church is yeah, Sugar Land. Yeah, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Now, Alicia, uh, you're you're familiar with the game. You've called in before, right? Yes, I have. Praise be to God. It's been a while since I've heard your voice, but I recognize the voice. Now, Alicia, are you ready to play the game? Yes, ready. Oh. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, question number one for you, Rudy. The question here, dude, this is a hard question. Really? This is super hard. Who picked this? <sighs> I don't know, man. But was it the drummer boy? I mean, I could see somebody if they don't listen to the show today or last Friday, they would think this is very hard. But otherwise, I think they might get it. Hmm. All right. The question is: Name the capital sin that is an unreasonable appetite for food or drink. That sounds like it's made up. Because God wants us to have everything that is good, mm. everything that is delicious, mm -hmm. and He would want us to have it in excess, right? He wants sense. He wants our cup to run over. But actually, it is a real thing, and actually, one of the one of the wise men had this problem. He was a glutton. Oh, glutton for punishment. <laughs> no, he liked he liked food. Is that true? Yeah, according oh. to a a recent documentary. Oh. Okay. All right, Alicia. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, name the capital sin that is unreasonable appetite for food or drink. Rudy says it is the sin of gluttony. Uh, what say you, Alicia? I say wrong. You say wrong. Are you sure you're going to go with wrong? Did he say gluttony? He did say gluttony. Oh, yeah, then it's, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Survey says that is correct, Alicia. It is, in fact, gluttony. Uh, though you. he was being tricky, though, because the uh, wise men definitely were not gluttonous. They definitely <laughs> did not commit the sin of gluttony. So in that sense, he was a little tricky. Uh, but, yes, the unreasonable appetite of food or drink. If someone wants to learn more about gluttony, especially getting ready for Thanksgiving, uh, our dear friend Dave Palmer with Back to the Father did a great episode on the sin of gluttony last Friday on Back to the Father's YouTube channel. Uh, so check that out. All right, Alicia, are you ready for question number two? No. No, you're not ready? <laughs> <laughs> well, ready or not, here it comes. Okay, 
All right, Rudy, the question for you is, okay, who is the mother of all the living? Hint, her name means living in Hebrew. All right, Alicia, I think you speak Spanish, so don't get confused when I say Chava, because when I say Chava, I'm not talking about some girl. I'm talking about Chava, which is Hebrew for Eve. Oh. Ask me how I know that. How do you know that? It's because our midwife's name. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, she's from California. Our midwife for our first daughter, her name was Chava, and I was like, what in the world does Chava even mean? And it turns out I was saying it wrong. It's Chava. Mm. That makes so much sense. Now, Fiddle on the Roof makes more sense now. Because <laughs> the main uh, daughter's name is Hava. Hava. At least it would make sense, assuming you're telling the truth. All right, Alicia, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, who is the mother of all the living? Her name meaning living in Hebrew. Rudy says it's Hava, or Eve in English. What say you, Alicia? Mary, I think it's wrong. You think it's wrong? All right, let's see. Survey says. Sorry, Alicia. Uh, Rudy was actually telling the truth. (laughs) Yeah. No, No, it's not Mary. It's it's Eve. Eve. It is Eve. He was telling the truth. Surprisingly enough, uh, Rudy was not being tricky. He actually was telling us the <laughs> truth. Um, so it is, in fact, Eve. Eve is the mother of all the living, and that's why our that's, uh, Adam named her Eve, because she or the name means living. And in Hebrew, it would be Chava. Chava. You got to gotta do the There you go. So I am so sorry, Alicia, but don't worry. I'm sure you'll get the next question right. Are you ready to jump in? Yes. All right, let's do it. Question number three for you. Rudy, what was the organization that once existed that would rate films either as appropriate or not for Catholic audiences? It's called the Legion of Adrian. Mm, very Because true. he is many. Mm. Actually, mm-hmm. we should bring this back. Yeah. It was actually the Legion of Decency ah. who would rate the films. They would They would have all kinds of different you know, things that they were rated for and say, this one is completely inappropriate for you to watch. We need that today. Okay. The Legion of Decency is what you're going with. That's right. Yeah, there you go, folks. And if someone is a veteran listener, they may know I've talked about this thing before. So is it Legion of Decency? Let's find out. Alicia, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what was the organization that once existed that would rate films either appropriate or not for Catholic audiences? Rudy says, it's the Legion of Decency. What say you, Alicia? I say yes. You say yes. All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct, Alicia. When was this canceled? It was canceled, I believe, in the 1970s. The late 1970s, I believe it was, whenever they got rid of the Legion of Decency. It kind of exists in a in a pseudo kind of way um, nowadays with like Catholic reviews with the uh, USCCB, but it's completely gutted. It used to be so intense that they would have uh, people make pledges at mass to not watch blasphemous and bad movies and sacrilegious movies, uh, but they don't do that anymore, unfortunately. So I say um, make the Legion of Decency great again. Uh, But 
Great to go, Alicia. You rocked it. Two for three is very good. We're going to put you on hold so we can get Thank your contact you. information. So don't go anywhere. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, hop on our social media feeds, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. Hop on with us. We'd love to interact with you directly. Any questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between, we'd love to get to it. If you want to join us in the after show, just look up Catholic Drive Time on your favorite social media platform and we'll interact with you directly. But if not, we'll see you back here Tuesday morning, sorry, uh, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you, God love you, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And we are back. Welcome back to the after show. Let me pull up our social media feed so I, we can interact with you directly. We'd love to do it. Let me pull this up. You know, I don't think this tie works with this outfit. What do you think? This tie is too um, bright. It's too bright. And I'm not a fan. So it's like blending into my shirt. So I'm I'm don't think I'm gonna wear this tie ever again. You need a blue shirt, that tie, and you can get off. Oh, yeah. yeah, you yeah, can you right. can get There's away. A blue, t- blue shirt. You can get away with that blazer. Yeah, because blue some pants blue in it, and blue pants. Boom. Yeah, I saw it in the morning, and I was thinking, you know brownish and that was a bad that was a bad decision didn't make any sense so mistakes were made my entire wardrobe is green brown khaki and blue yeah basically the color of the houston landscape my wardrobe is basically just blue blue i recently got this jacket from thrift store. Lovely lady dressed in blue. Teach us how to pray. God was just your little boy. Show us the way. Beautiful poem. I love that poem. Okay, let's see. We got a lot of people in the chats this morning. Good morning to everybody. Uh, Lori says, Rudy is Bo Brummel. Bo Brummel? Who's Bo Brummel? Let me look him up. Is it B-A-U? It's B-O. Bo. Bo Brummel. Bo Brummel. Did he stumble through the news? He was a football player. Bo Brummel. British socialite? Is that who you're saying? Lori, I need a uh, further explanation (laughs) on the Bo Brummel comment. George Bryan Bo Brummel was an important figure in Regency England. And for many years, he was the arbiter of British men's fashion. At one time... He was close friend of the Prince Regent, the future King George the Fourth. 
But after the two quarreled and Brummel got into debt, he had to take refuge in France. True. I am in a lot of debt. And you took refuge in France. <laughs> oh, wait, no. You took refuge in Texas. Dude, Bo Brummel. This guy is, this guy is well-dressed. I mean, look at this guy. She said he was a well-dressed English floor, I believe. Dang. English what? Floor. Floor? I don't know or what that means. Floor? Like, he's, like he was one of these guys? I hope not. Yikes. Um, you know, I regret doing that on camera because I feel like people are going to go. And <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, Nick says, Ty doesn't have enough contrast. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Too, it's too, it blends into the shirt. It's a problem. I do declare. Uh, Brad, he's in the chat. All right, Brad. Brad, we're going to roast you. Give me your defense of this movie. (laughs) Because I watched it, and I was expecting it to be not as bad as the reviews were making it to be. And I left the movie thinking it was so much worse than the reviews made it out to be. Man. I was like, oh, okay, here's the thing that I wanted to talk about. But I'm like, eh, it's more like a longer thing to talk about. But I'll probably do a show on this later. But anyway, the three gifts. Rudy, do you know what the three gifts of the Magi symbolize? Yes. Gold, because he's kingly. Frankincense, because of his priesthood. And myrrh, which is I think is like the most devastating one to receive as a mom. It was prefiguring his death. So as soon as the baby is born, our Lord, they literally remind Our Lady, hey, by the way, he's going to die for everybody. And probably in a really terrible way. It's a... it's pretty crazy. Now, Rudy, um, how many years of theology have you taken? How many years of theology? I don't know, man. I learned this from a YouTube video. Really? Yeah, really? A long time ago. Wow. So you're saying you watch a YouTube video and learn this? Yeah. Well, apparently. Even some Catholic radio, go figure. Apparently, the producers of this show don't know, can't watch a YouTube video. Because what did it symbolize in the movie? Tell me, I'm dying dude, now. They changed the gifts, didn't they? No, so they had the gifts to write. But first, they offer the gifts to Herod. What? As like, oh, because remember how you know how the three kings go yeah, to the tower of Herod first? So they get like safe oh, passage. We visit a king, of course we bring gifts. And they're bringing the gifts and they give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. First of all, giving myrrh to a king would get you killed. Because you're <laughs> low-key your threatening off. the king, saying, hum, Maybe I'm this is what really, This is probably what really happened in right. history, right? That's why Herod was like, all right, we've got to kill every one of them uh-huh. because, because I'm going to die soon. I'm like, there's nonsense. And then, okay, okay, then here's what they symbolized. So they got the gold right. That's kind of obvious. I mean, anybody with... Could just guess that the goal symbolizes kingship, right? Like frankincense, as it it's very it will help you sleep. It is a beautiful fragrance that'll help you sleep. And um, then he's like, and then the myrrh, like, what is myrrh? And they started making jokes about myrrh, and they're like, myrrh, it's good for everything. Myrrh does everything. It's a miracle drug. Yada yada. Like oil salesman, snake oil salesman, um, dude. And that's how they pitch it. Then. Whenever they come to our Lord, they offer the three um, gifts to our Lord before Our Lady and St. Joseph take off to Egypt. And as they're leaving, 
And they're like, oh, gold, so you can buy food and everything on your journey, yada, yada. And he's like, frankincense to soothe the baby so he doesn't cry so much on his journey. Um, and then they're like, and myrrh for everything else. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? You just made that up. <laughs> it's not even, what are you, what? Like, no. Like, they couldn't even get basic like, you don't even have to be Catholic. <laughs> like, it's just like, what? And I'm like, have you not even heard the song, We Three Kings, The Three Kings in Orient? Dude. It even tells them in the song. In the song, it says, Casper says, born a king on Bethlehem Plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. So there's your reason for gold. Melkor sings, Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh, prayer and praising, all men raising, worship him God on high. Balthazar sings, myrrh is mine, a bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone cold tomb. So just listen to the song. Oh my. And dude, never listen to Christmas music? Dude, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to give these people credit. They're they're being subversive on purpose, dude. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent. It has to be, dude. I'm so convinced, man. And we have to give everybody, you know, like proper. We have to we have to like take their their word for what it's worth most of the time. But these guys, I'm sorry, man. I'm willing to throw that out the window when it's this subversive. It's like, dude, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I'm not even saying that you can't ever take artistic freedom in this these sorts of things, right? I mean, I, I think sometimes we can be a little too nitpicky on the artistic freedom. But when you're de- denying if it deny if this freedom denies something that is like a theological value, a theological truth, then that is subversive. Yeah. Andrea says, uh, I'm late to the party. What movie are we talking about? Uh, the movie is called Journey to Bethlehem, a musical blasphemy and sacrilege of the greatest story ever told. Jay um, Cook says, the tea is now in the tree, in the true mug of divine providence. Cut to my, cut to my camera. I want you to see something, Jay Cook. I, uh, <laughs> I just put some coffee in it today. I'm literally drinking from the coffee cup of divine providence. <laughs> it's amazing. You could tell it's the real one because it's not signed. It's not the signed. The other ones, uh, the replicas are all signed, but these, this one is not. It's, uh, yeah, it only glows when there's nothing in it, so that's mm. why it's not glowing right now, but I can hear it glow a little bit. Do you know what a, um, if I put a, it up to my ear, like a, a male and female camel is known as? No. So a female camel, don't ask why I know this, um, the female camel is known as a cow. What? Yeah. And a male camel is a bull. Isn't that weird? That's random. Isn't that weird? That's pretty weird. Was that before they discovered cows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the history of the of the term, but yeah, that's that's what it is. Kind of strange. That's like a fox. They call the the baby foxes kits. It's like, where did you guys come up with that? Where'd you pull that out of? Yeah, they just like I made it up. Like literally, <laughs> it's what it was. It looks like a kit. Jane says, "I thought frankincense was because he is God." So yes, it's actually because he is uh, he is God because he's offering incense like to God, frankincense. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Andrea says, when Herod ordered all the newborn babies killed, that was considered the holy innocence that we celebrate uh, a feast day right after Christmas, right? Correct. Yep. So that is the holy innocence. Pray for us. um, Amen. And the holy innocents were given a special grace, according to the mystics and the saints and Venerable Mary of Agreda, that that um, they were our our Lord actually appeared to the holy innocents, and they were granted by um, by supernatural grace uh, the use of reason, and they were told basically what was going to happen to them, and they accepted their fate um, for love of God, and that's why they were able to become the holy innocents because they were martyrs. So they were, had a special grace. So it's pretty cool. Sonia says, have you all watched The Veil Removed? I have seen The Veil Removed. And that actually makes me think of something about the movie. So The Veil Removed, very interesting idea. Good concept. I like it. The idea, have you seen it? No. So it's this video of the um, of mass, basically. And then all of a sudden, the veil is removed. You can see the heavenly court. The angels are coming in, all these things. You can see Calvary and all these things. It's a really cool concept. It's done really well. But just seeing the angels dressed up as normal people really seems, seems really weird to me. It just made me maybe took me out of it. Uh, but the concept is really good. It was done really well. Props to them. So not trying to denigrate them. But the reason why it made me think of the movie was because here's another ridiculous thing that I forgot to mention or just didn't have enough time to mention. St. Gabriel. So St. Gabriel <laughs> oh boy. shows up. And the dude is like, and I say dude because the dude, he's like a dude. He's, he's standing back, right? And he goes, um, Mary, I have some news for you. Uh, and he's like practicing what he's going to say. And he's like, I'm like, dude, hold on, hold up. Let's just say hypothetically for a second. That that's what angels needed to do. They had to practice what they're going to say. They didn't have just infused knowledge. They weren't like perfect use of their faculties. Let's just assume that that's not the case for a second. Let's assume. Why would he practice right before coming up to Our Lady, like in her house? Like what? And for then, comedic relief. Exactly. And so they use Gabriel for comedic relief. And so he starts levitating. And he starts rising up and heading toward Our Lady to reveal to her. And guess what happens? He falters and he falls. Close. He bangs his head on the doorframe. Uh, <laughs> hate when that happens. Don't you hate when you're an incorporeal being banging your head on a <laughs> on a on a doorframe? <laughs> don't you hate when you are a angelic creature with infused knowledge? And you're, a clum- a and you're clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> Everything about this movie. And then, and so here's a nitpick about it that um, I would forgive. Other- otherwise, it was not horrible, but it- I'm not going to forgive it. The um, So the angel, when it appears to Our Lady... According to tradition, and so that's why I'm like, okay, if they didn't get this right, I wouldn't make a big deal about it. But according to tradition, the angel appears to her kneeling because he's recognized that Our Lady is greater. She is queen of the angels. Whereas in the movie, he's like towering over her and is like this high and mighty. Whereas the angel in reality appears kneeling to her. And it appears to her as she's studying Holy Scripture. 
she's reading the Holy Scriptures, it says that she was actually meditating on the coming Messiah. Mm-hmm. And she was accepting the word of God into her soul as Gabriel comes to announce the word of God entering her womb. Very beautiful. And instead, here in the movie, she's like snoring asleep. And Gabriel's trying to wake her up, and she's like sleeping too hard. She's like, Mary, Mary, Mary. And she's like, ah, who are you? Yeah, and she's like freaking out. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> kill me. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I love what you just said there, though. And it's it's like, it's such a simple meditation, but we're coming into Advent, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm already annoyed because everybody's putting up Christmas decorations. And it's like, we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet, guys. Like, it used to be we would wait until Thanksgiving to put those things up. But it's such a simple meditation. It's almost, it's almost too simple, but this is the whole thing, right? Put yourself, oh man, I'm being Ignatian again. Put yourself in that situation. Just imagine if God had never come into the world and you were still waiting for that Messiah like Our Lady was at that moment. She was a representative of the entire Jewish people, and she was waiting for the Messiah to come into the world, the Messiah that was going to restore order to the entire world. And at that moment, Gabriel comes in, and she accepts that. That's incredible. Now, of course, we already had the Messiah come, but we're waiting again because he will come again. That's the simple meditation that you can have during Advent. And that's going to increase all the joy in your heart when Christmas comes around and it's not about uh, presents and all that stuff. Maybe it's something a little bit simple like that that's going to reorient our mind to, to, to what it really is all about. Okay. Adrian, Adrian's like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, no. I see it. You have that look on your, on your face. No. You dude. No, I don't. You, I see I it don't. in your eyes, dude. It's great. I've hung around no, you no, enough no. times to know. I see it. It's good. Yeah? Yeah. It's good? No, I nothing. No, no, no comment. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Really? Yeah. Sound. Sound. All right, cool. We're good. We're good. All right. Uh, Rudy's like Rudy's like waiting for the for the other shooter. That's drop. why I'm pausing because I'm looking at Adrian's face. He's like, what is he gonna what? say? <laughs> <laughs> the other day, uh, Rudy and I were um, were going to get I don't know, we were eating tacos, maybe? I forget. It doesn't matter. Um, and I was like, I was saying, what was it? I was, so I was like, someone asked me this question, and Rudy, what would you say? And I was like, was it, oh, I asked you, what is the, oh, what is the mass? The mass? <laughs> uh, what is the mass? <laughs> and Rudy goes on this like a four minute tangent on what the mass is. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then he said <laughs> one particular thing. I can't remember what it was. And I was like, I said that the, I, I slipped. Don't do this. Like I did. This is how people become heretics on accident. I said, this is why we have to be slow to speak. Think about what you're going to say. I said that the holy sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross is recreated or something along those lines. It's, it's recreated at every single mass. It's not recreated. It's the same sacrifice, and it carries on for all eternity. Is it all eternity or just until the end of time? That's a good question, actually. Because uh, eternity is different. Yeah, you're right. I guess until the end, end of time. Yeah. I think because it's. I think it's to the end of you time. You won't be having. You won't be saying mass in heaven. 
Right. Because you'll be in the, the wedding feast itself. So, yeah. yeah, so until the end of time, it's the same sacrifice. It's not recreated. And I made that little tiny mistake, and I knew as soon as I said it, I was like, dang it, I messed it up. <laughs> messed it up. Darn it. So he's saying that, and I'm like, looking over. <laughs> <laughs> and we, like, missed the street that we were, like, supposed to turn on because I was going on a tangent. We were, like, analyzing this analysis of the mass. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's what we do on our free time. Catholic drive time. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley says, I haven't been listening super closely today, but I feel so honored that my comment was read aloud. Also, thank you, Adrian, for watching the film so we didn't have to. You're welcome. I am, um, I am, I have to go to confession afterwards. <laughs> it is, oh, man. It's so bad. It's so bad. I'm not watching that. <laughs> Don't watch it. It's no reason to watch it. Don't it's, give them your money. It's funny. A couple weeks ago, Ashley showed me the trailer. She's like, hey, check this out. And I was like, oh, boy, what am I looking at? And then she shows me no comment the trailer. I'm like, I'm trying to relax here. What? What is this? <laughs> and she's like, it's a, it's a movie. And they're coming out with it. Uh, we should go see it. And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brandon says, traditionally, Mary is depicted as reading from the Psalms and art pieces about the Annunciation. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Praise be to God. That's a You mean the excellent. palms? The palms. Yeah. Uh, Ashley says, oh, no, really? Or you're just joking. I'm just joking. I'm not going to go to confession. For, <laughs> because for, of Because that. of that. <laughs> because I went to confession. I go to confession every Sunday. I try to anyway. But um, no, no. It's, it's – yeah, okay, so – I was actually talking to my mom about this. I was like, okay, so where, what's the line there? Because, like, for the Legion of Decency, for instance, somebody had to go watch the movie to give it a rating. Mm -hmm. And they are basically declaring it would be a sin if you as a Catholic went to go see this movie. So is the person watching the movie committing a sin? If it's they then determine that. So it matters on intention, I would say. I, I think the person watching it is gathering the intelligence. The person watching and grading it is gathering the intelligence the person who defies that authority that we've we've given or that the holy mother of the church has given to this organization which i don't know if they did if they defied that it would be a sin yeah so they didn't that's the way i would so it. um they didn't that's a good question so People would sign up to be a member of Legion of Decency, but it was basically encouraged that every Catholic should be a member of Legion of Decency, and they'd make it a pledge you'd make during Mass. And so it'd be really weird if you're the only person that didn't stand up and make the pledge. Um, like the guy who refused to salute to him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and the, uh, He's looking at you like, yeah, like dude, dude, what are you what's doing wrong with you? <laughs> and so my guess is it probably was only binding on the people who were members, but it was understood that every Catholic was to be a member. Mm. Um, but I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to be interviewing an expert on the Legion of Decency. But I was thinking about the movie uh, Cinema Paradiso, right? Mm. Where the priest is there watching the salacious scenes in order to cut them out. And so he's cutting them out of the movie so that people can watch it without the salacious scenes. And so I'm like, I guess, I guess it's okay if you're going in in order to warn other people. Mm-hmm. So that must mean it's not intrinsically evil, though, because there is never if it's intrinsically evil, therefore you can never do it. Right? Again, I think it just matters on intention. Like if you're not going there to be titillated, you're going there to. As a service to other Catholics to get rid of yeah. it. 
I guess if you have custody of the eyes with things that are immoral to view, then I, I guess. I don't know how you possibly could yeah. most of the time. Yeah. I don't know. By the way, great soundtrack in that movie. Um, I don't Cinema know. Paradiso. Oh, Cinema Paradiso. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Which movie did you think I, I was talking, talking about? I thought you were talking about the, the Journey of the Bethlehem. No, are the, you kidding the me, music dude? music was like... No, there's nothing redeeming about it that. It was like pop, pop Christian music, like Lecrae. Uh, there was really, there was this one scene, though, that was, I, I saw what they were doing, and I was like, this is kind of funny. It's kind of kind of adorable. Um, but Herod is out there, and he's like, he's singing his song, and he sings... Uh, mine is the kingdom. Mine is the power. Mine is the glory. Oh boy! And I'm like, I see what you're doing there. That's funny. That's <laughs> cute. Um, Protestants and their doxology. Yikes! Mine is the power, kingdom, forever and ever. Amen. We used to do that at the end of our um, our football games. We would pray to our Father, and then at the end of our Father, we'd see. And have you ever heard that in the mass before? I have. It's the Novus Ordo. They do it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing the traditional right but yeah uh ashley says i did not say we should go see it i just asked what you thought of it i'm sorry i misremember things all the time i'm like so tired all the time i don't remember anything tammy says so would multiple people watch the movie and give their opinions or just one person because even nowadays what one person thinks is indecent another one doesn't yeah i don't know i have no clue Brandon says the book was better, I guess. Yeah, check out the book. It's called The Gospels. <laughs> <laughs> what book are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Jacob says every movie has a confessional waiting outside the theater. Paste? Yeah. But that would be presumption. Yeah, that would be bad. Is Cinema Paradiso a book? I don't know. Possibly. Um, man, I wish I could play part of their... Soundtrack, it's so good, but we'll, we'll get dinged on it. Uh, very emotional. I love that film. There's this scene, right? It's not really a spoiler. This kid, he's like, uh, somebody recommended this to me at a, a unique moment in my life. Uh, and this kid in the film, he wants to be in his little small town, which is one of the weird things. I, I have a criticism about that now because... When I was younger, it was always like, oh, you young kids, you need to leave. You need to go make life for yourself elsewhere. It's like, why? Make your small town better. And so this scene is he wants to stay. He wants to come back. He's drawn to stay there. And his mentor is basically like, leave. Don't come back. I'll never forgive you if you come back and stay here. Don't ever talk to me again. Go and make a life for yourself. And he goes, it's like, man, emotional scene. I. I don't remember if that film is appropriate or not. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think it might be safe. It might be okay to watch. There might be some scenes where I don't think they show anything, but it is a little salacious. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm going to see if I can find a rating on it right quick. Let's see. Charming Italian film about friendship has sex and profanity. It does. It does. But is it, is it shown? That's. Um, I mean, well, I guess it shouldn't matter. Brief but. shots of exposed breasts in black and white movies. So in okay. the, the scenes, the fuck. So it's inappropriate. Is, yeah. It's cutting out. 
while nothing's explicitly shown, a group of young teens obviously in the act of masturbation yeah, in the theater watching Bridget. I didn't even, I didn't even I recognize that. In the I movie. don't remember that yeah, either. Either. A man grabs a woman's breast, starts to ooh, insists to moan and grind his body into hers. I don't remember that either. <laughs> Dang it, dude. Dude. Never mind. Don't watch Cinema <laughs> Just listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. Just listen yeah. to the soundtrack. You don't have to watch it. Dang. Man, that's two for that two today, all, man. man. That's two for two today that I make like the mistake of of saying something. The first mistake is how in the world, oh man, this is like the worst. I made a dumb joke right before Bishop Schneider comes onto the 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 uh onto the camera. Like I didn't even know he was there. And I made this dumb joke and it made it sound like I actually wanted uh, you know, people to uh go and fight for these homosexual rights and wherever. <laughs> and then Adrian's like, Oh, uh, join us right now is Bishop Athanasia Schneider. I'm like, dude, <laughs> come on. The worst oh, part of it too is like I snuck the joke in. Cause you were ready to move on. Yeah, <sighs> dude. <laughs> it's like one of those oh, just the dumb, embarrassing and, days. And the and the only bad part about it is the fact that Bishop Anthony Schneider's English is only like so-so, and so his uh, how well he got it that it was a joke is I don't know. I have no idea. He was like, "What did I get myself into?" He's like, "What is probably what he yeah, thought." Yeah, he was like, "Who are these people I'm talking to?" <sighs> Man. Um, Andrea says, what is your opinion on the whole Bishop Strickland faux pas? Um, Can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's bad. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I think the, anyway. The TLDR is, um, he got removed. They didn't tell a reason why. People are making up reasons. Some people are calling him a set of a conscious. This is obviously not the case because he came out publicly and said, Pray for Pope Francis. The fact that he's calling him Pope means he's not. There are so many bad takes on this situation. Yeah, it's it's like for us to even add more to it. it, it there's nothing. Our take is the most objective one there is. This is a developing story. We don't have a reason. We can speculate why, but the speculations don't make sense. Like one of them was uh, he didn't implement he he didn't implement Terticiones Custodes. Well, there were other bishops who yeah. didn't do it either, and they didn't get removed. Uh, what about the, the, the details that we shared today? Uh, it seems like the, the diocese was doing pretty well, vocationally and financially. They have the same amount of seminarians as the Diocese of Chicago, which is 32 times bigger. Mm. Isn't that crazy? 32 times bigger. and they have. So the you would think it would be 32 times more. More seminarians, yeah. Yeah. But... Seems healthy. Seems healthy. Oh, so... I was talking to my brother, who's in the diocese, uh, Tyler, and he was like, "Yeah, the the um, the priest there kind of honestly, I was kind of disappointed in their reaction. They were like, we will miss Bishop Strickland. We we love him. He did a great job leading our parish, uh, leading our community. Um, but at the end of the day, we will continue our mission uh, with or without the bishop, and we will um, continue doing our our duty as a priest. Yada yada. With or without you." And I was like, oh, well, okay. That's with great. That's great. Without you. All right. I well, can't live without folks. Bishop Strickland. Bishop Strickland, pray for him, seriously. Yeah. Because that's, really, that's a really tough position to be in. For sure. It really sucks. That's oh. my take on it. All right. That's going to do it. Let me re recommend to you today 
go and listen to We Three Kings. I know it's not Christmas, but go listen to it just so you can learn something. And make sure, it's, and let me know, did they include the verse on myrrh? Because a lot of them take it out. Let me know. All right, see y'all tomorrow. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see y'all very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.